Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sir, I am a corporate defense attorney. So? I defend chemical companies. Well, now you can defend me. What is this uh, PFOA? What's that stand for? You want to you wanna flush your career down the toilet for some <laughs> cowhand? Phil, I need to insist on broadening discovery. Sue me! I'm already suing you. Has anyone even read the evidence this man has collected? the willful negligence, the corruption. Read it. That's the reason why Americans hate lawyers. We should want to nail DuPont. Well, it coats the pots you cook with so the food doesn't stick. It protects the carpet your baby crawls on. You may also have it in your winter jacket, your skin lotion, even your makeup. A 650-page draft report from the Department of Health and Human Services cites several studies suggesting increased risks for disease and defects from PFOA contamination. My daughter is born and raised on PFOA. This went in her baby bottle. You know, we've all been exposed. It's all been a huge human health experiment that we didn't even know we were in. We were all in the same toxic cesspool. We all drank the same water. And that, they suspect, may explain Hope's stage 4 melanoma at 25 and the brain tumor found in Joanne's six-year-old son. Doctors came in and started asking my husband and I very pointed questions. Where do you live? Where did you grow up? Did you or your husband ever use or work with chemicals or pesticides? How did this happen in the United States during modern times where we allowed something like this to contaminate the entire planet and nobody knew it was happening? It's, it's fucking evil. That's why better living through chemistry is not just a slogan at DuPont. It's our DNA. Hello and welcome to Science-ish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. Now, it's supposed to be my turn this week, but you have assured me that something is afoot. I mean, what are we up to? It's a big foot. Is it? I mean, it's a huge Are we doing foot. the Yeti? <laughs> almost, almost. But um, So we are doing a massive thing. Uh, we are looking at the new Mark Ruffalo film, Dark Waters. Okay. That doesn't immediately strike me as... <laughs> that's, no disrespect to it, but um, why, why is that such a big deal? Uh, well, actually, I mean, partly, I mean, it's out today, so we're right on it. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, I obviously got invited to an early screening. How's <laughs> he? <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. I think I got invited to that as well. I just didn't go. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean... So that, your house is the fact that you went. That's not really a, a big thing, is it? Uh, I, I got invited to this thing, but I didn't go. Whereas I went, 
and you know, <laughs> yeah, I was actually oh, yeah, there. You're, right. you're not telling the story of how you didn't go to an early screening. Whereas well, it I'm, turns I, out I am now. <laughs> <laughs> so I got invited to the screening. <laughs> Dark uh, and I didn't go. <laughs> but Brooksy did. Amazing Housing. story. Amazing story. <laughs> okay, so tell me about the film. So the film is about a corporate defence lawyer, Mm -hmm. a guy called Rob Billet. And uh, late 90s, uh, a farmer from his hometown where he grew up got in touch with him and said his cows were dying, basically, uh, being poisoned. And he said it was by a nearby chemical dump Mm -hmm. that was uh, run by DuPont. And and so Rob sort of starts off not wanting to take this case because he actually works for the other side. His firm does like loads of corporate defense and doesn't have the DuPont account, but has, you know, almost every other sort of chemical company account. Right. Uh, and the, the farmer's persistent and he realizes there's something going on and he takes it on. And uh, it's all a true story. Basically, DuPont have uh, manufactured this chemical or class of chemicals called PFOA. We'll get into what that stands for later. Uh, that's leaked into the local environment. It's mm-hmm. causing havoc. Um, it's poisoning the community. It's getting into the water supply, poisoning the cattle, and you know, causing birth defects. This is in uh, Parkersburg in West Virginia. And basically for decades, DuPont had been covering up the fact they knew about this. So the film is all about you know, his sort of journey uncovering all of this, the fights against DuPont, and, and eventually you know, being able to nail them. Two, two questions then. Uh, firstly, is the film any good? Film is excellent. Uh, secondly, should they just have called it Eric Brockovich? <laughs> no, because he wasn't called Eric. But I mean, people had immediately they know what. I mean, like it, Dark Waters is, is mysterious. Yeah, but if you call it Eric Brockovich, I'm like, right, got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's our what's our big question going to be then? Um, so the big question that we're asking is: Have we all been poisoned? Well, I don't, I don't like the sound of this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so which absolute slayer have we tracked down to talk us through it all? Well, obviously, with the credentials that we've got as science-ish, I mean, there was, there was only Occasionally one. Occasionally number two in the science <laughs> yeah. charts. I sat down with Mark Ruffalo. And that, <laughs> you sat down with Mark Ruffalo? I sat down with Mark Ruffalo and Rob Billet uh, to talk about the film. I'm starting to wish I'd gone to the screening. Well, exactly. Also, I mean, it's amazing that we've sent... Like, I Literally, that's what I do. It's for celebrities. <laughs> They've sent you to do it. <laughs> Insane. And, uh, okay. and, and I obviously did a very good job because at the end of the interview, he said, now that's the kind of interview I want to be doing. Yeah, he says that to everyone. No, he I've interviewed him before. He said that no, to me. No, he did not. He did. Absolutely not. He says it to everyone. It's no. like his standard no, end. No, it is. No, no. Of course it is. He's a nice guy. No, not having it's that. Like, it's almost his catchphrase. Not having that. Well, it's true. Anyway, I'll give you, I'll give you some feedback on how I think you handled it. <laughs> Uh, did you? I hope you opened by saying, "Ah, uh, Mark, lo- love your work." Uh, I've never seen an Avengers film. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't tell him that. Obviously, uh, very professional, stuck to the, the matters at hand. Okay, what did you? What did you kick off with? So, um, firstly, I wanted to know how the film came about. Um, you know, what drew him to the story? I read an article in the New York Times magazine by Nathaniel Rich called uh, "The Lawyer That Became Dupont's Worst Nightmare," and. Um, I was floored by the breadth and scope of this crime and the fact that nobody knew about it and the fact that this wasn't the front page of the New York Times, that something so enormous as this was so little known and was only in one small article in the New York Times magazine, not even the New York Times. And did you feel a kind of sense, just a sense of outrage? I was outraged, I was terrified, and I was, I was actually thrilled, too, because the story encapsulates a whole economic system 
and it tells it in the most cinematic way. I want a lawyer. Every damn one in Barkersburg to yell at to take my case. They're all scared shit. They said, DuPont, well, I ain't scared of nobody. Okay, Kathleen is my paralegal. She's going to give you a directory of lawyers. That's why I call your grandma. That time I was looking for stories that I could blend with my activism because I was just starting to produce. And it was funny. As I was reading it, I had four other colleagues uh, that I know from either activism or movies who had sent me the article that morning saying, you should make this movie. <laughs> and the whole dynamic of of Rob, a lawyer who was a defense attorney for chemical companies in this blue chip law firm that would normally be defending these characters was fighting against it. That, that made it rise to a film. How many did you lose? 190. 190 cows. You tell me nothing's wrong here. Rob, did you know the scale of what you were getting involved in when you took on that farmer's case? Absolutely not. I had no idea. When we started digging into this, I just thought this was going to be a really fairly straightforward, simple case involving a farmer in West Virginia and his property. Whole damn world needs to say what they done. You're right. They should. And, and it kills me that they won't. But that would mean going to trial and proving that C8 killed your cows. And every scientist who knows anything about any of this already works for these chemical companies. That's not an accident, Earl. And can you just explain for us uh, the PFOA that the, the film sort of centers around? Um, why was it being manufactured? A 3M company actually invented the chemical right after World War II. Um, and DuPont was using it because they, it helped them in the manufacture of Teflon. It was used as a surfactant, not as an actual ingredient, but just something in the manufacturing. They had been buying it uh, from 3M since 1951 and had been using it for decades, lots and lots of it, at their plant in West Virginia, which was the world's largest Teflon manufacturing facility. Even burned food won't stick to Teflon, though it's always easy to clean. Cookware never needs scouring. If it has DuPont, Teflon. Obviously, you, you must have had to learn a lot of science in order to really take this case forward. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, that was, <laughs> was something... worst class. Yeah, I, 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 I had tried to avoid science. But um, yeah, through, throughout that process, I really had to learn this and you know, had to consult with experts. We had to hire people to help explain. You know, this, is, this is highly technical stuff written by some of the top scientists at DuPont. Just knowing what chemical was even being referred to was a huge challenge because the company would refer to this stuff in about 10 different ways. Yeah. You know, see in the film, it's called C8, but it's also called PFOA or perfluorooctanoic acid or FC143. So to decipher that and to really try to understand what was going on was, was not easy and it took a long time to piece that together. So what exactly are these 
PFOA chemicals? Is it a family of chemicals? Yeah, so it's a massive family of chemicals. It basically means you've got a, a long spine of, of carbon atoms bonded to fluorine. Yeah. Uh, and this gives them this incredible property of being able to repel everything, so oil and water and everything else. Mm-hmm. So this is why you know it's so useful as a chemical. So uh, they're called perfluoroalkyl and polyfluoroalkyl substances. Slightly easier for you to say. Yeah, not very easy still, even though I've been practicing that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, for my party chat, ever since I met Mark <laughs> Ruffalo. <laughs> but there's there's like thousands of these things. They they found about four thousand seven hundred of these, looking through um, chemical patents and kind of chemical registries. And sometimes they're they're sort of slightly altered and, and called PFAS. Uh, so there's kind of a whole sort of set of them. And this uh, carbon fluorine bond is basically one of the strongest bonds ever found in nature. How z? <laughs> I mean, it's great. Except that that means that that the stuff doesn't break down. It doesn't break down with heat. Doesn't break down with light. You know, there's nothing that we know of really, apart from really extreme circumstances, that will break these things down. So once they're in the environment, they're there to stay. So Rob and uh, Mark Ruffalo. I'm gonna. I'm gonna always, always. call him Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I haven't met him. So no, uh, no. I mean, you wouldn't call it Mark like me. No, or apart from when I interviewed him and he said he really enjoyed the the, the conversation. <laughs> um, so. Uh, it's used uh, for, uh, it's so not just non-stick pans. Non-stick pans, scotch guard, so like um, stain resistance for carpets, for instance, is a classic. Fire retardants. Because it doesn't react with stuff yeah. and it just repels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're also you know, hugely important in putting out fuel, like hydrocarbon fires. They're really good at doing that. So all of the sort of military fire bases and everything have these massive accumulations of, of PFOA around the base in, in all the groundwater around there. Um, you know, it's stain repellent furniture, waterproof clothes, uh, lots of food packaging. So like pizza cartons will be um, coated with this stuff so that the pizza doesn't stick to them. Did, did DuPont know how dangerous this, this stuff was when they, were, when they were using it? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> how, how long for? <laughs> for as far back as the 1960s, basically. Uh, so they they sort of did their own studies on lab animals, and 3M did studies on lab animals as well, and found that you know that rats' livers were getting really badly enlarged, and there was birth defect in animals that have been exposed to even quite low levels of these chemicals. Mm. And uh, and then Dupont did this classic thing where they laced some employees' uh, cigarettes with Teflon. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see what the effects would be. Obviously, they got ill. When they saw the birth defect stuff, they sort of moved all the women off the production lines uh, for, for the Teflon products that would mean exposure to PFOA. Uh, but th- at the same time, they monitored the ones who were pregnant already to see what happened mm-hmm. uh, and whether there were birth defects. And there were. That's DuPont's pregnancy study from 1981. Does that look like a DuPont document? It looks to be. Seven pregnant women, all DuPont employees, all from the Teflon line. Do you see this here? Quote, child, four months, one nostril, eye defect, end quote. Yes. Two of the seven women, nearly 30%, gave birth to babies that have the exact facial deformities that your company already knew about. We're done here. And then uh, DuPont presumably told everyone and said look this is quite bad we've done our studies uh, <laughs> this is you know we're seeing birth defects like lab animals are, are not looking great that's that then 
They didn't do that. They just kept it to themselves. So they, they have all these internal documents, which is the thing that, that Rob had to expose and, and, and find and go through like thousands and thousands and thousands of documents where actually, you know, you can, you can see these things have just been kept internally and they're kept them quiet. Just going back quickly to the Teflon laced cigarettes. Yeah. That is absolutely extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The, the stuff that science <laughs> corporations do. I mean, it's, it's... Certainly back then. I mean, who knows what they're doing now, but... Well, exactly. And then, and then the, the next generation... Experimenting on your workforce. The next generation's job is to cover it up. Yeah. And you think... I mean, I'm, I'm not... You know, I, I don't really know what it's like to work for a big corporation and feel like, I, you know, I must do everything I can to R- Radio them. Wolfgang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, don't, um, well, we don't really work They're not really paid. doing, like, you know, toxic yeah, okay, chemical like, work. Like work with... <laughs> do, do a hobby with <laughs> we do a hobby with a big organization yeah, yeah. but you know the idea of working for this corporation and then just like yeah you know, well we better cover that up haven't we you know uh, not just thinking this is disgusting i must get out and i must blow the whistle on this but people people above them will just be justifying it and i think there's that probably i mean i don't know but i suspect it's that thing of not giving everyone all the information so you you have little yeah, of bits course. crumbs of information you can't yeah. quite piece it all together and um, and the thing was you know it was a huge dupont was a huge employer at parkersburg so so when uh, people started sort of kicking up a fuss about this when rob Billet started kicking up a fuss and enlisted some local people and and the farmer who initially came to him they all sort of started to get ostracized and and you know because this was a big employer this was everyone's security this is how they mm-hmm. you know paid for their houses and paid the bills and brought up the children so they you know before they knew the extent of how much they'd been poisoned they were just very resentful of anyone sort of causing trouble so so how big a problem is it is it now then because we've asked are we all being poisoned yeah um, is it not just these people near this plant in West Virginia? Though? No, no. So it's, I mean, the thing is, as I said, these things don't break down. So they're known as forever chemicals because they're around forever. Mm-hmm. And Parkersburg was really badly exposed because that was where DuPont was doing the manufacturing. So that's where it, it dumped stuff. But it also took some stuff and dumped it in the ocean in big drums. Uh, it had various other dumps where it would just, you know, leave the stuff in drums and then bury it in the ground. And basically, it's all leached out into the environment. It's been found in the blood of 98% of Americans. What? So they're in all of us. Like The, the likelihood is that you and I have all these, these chemicals in our bodies. But in- at- Sort of, is there a safe concentration? Or um, well, we'll kind of get to that, but but okay. um, the, essentially, this is well above safe right. concentrations. Right. Uh, it's been found in breast milk, umbilical cord blood. It makes it through the placenta, basically, which is supposed to filter out, you know, the, the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And and in America, they think something like 110 million people uh, could be drinking contaminated water, contaminated with PFOAs. So you know, it's it's. Is it's, it hard to filter out then? It's incredibly hard to filter out. Uh, and now that it's in the oceans and it's, it's sort of you know, made its way basically into the water cycle now, it's been found in Atlantic salmon, in, in Alaskan polar bears, uh, sea turtles. You know, it's basically everywhere now. And it's not breaking down. It's just existing within our, our, our organs and, and in our blood. And, th- and this is all because DuPont wasn't disposing of it correctly. Like, how should they have been disposing of it? Well, I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, what they should have been doing is saying, do you know what, we've been making and using a really dangerous compound and maybe we need to find some alternatives to this. 
But of course, that's not how it works. I'll sort of speak to the environment agency yeah, and say, yeah. say, oh, we're not very happy with this. Bit of help this. here, please. Yeah, yeah, but no. But sort of like, whack it in a drum, chuck it in the sea. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Are they still making it? Or no. using it, rather? So, um, it's, it's interesting because they're not still making it. It's been phased out after a long, long time of fighting. So the, the film sort of goes through the, the sort of legal battle. Sorry, is this 3M or DuPont? DuPont. This is, du- this is DuPont. So I thought they were buying big, it from 3M. They were buying it from 3M, but actually, I think they started to manufacture it for themselves as well. I'm not sure on that. In the end, they phased it out sort of in the, in the early 2000s. Um, I found myself actually realising that I'd been right in the middle of a, of a DuPont PR campaign at the end of the 90s. How's he? I know. I know. Go on. So, so I was watching the film and I suddenly had this horrific realisation as the dates were flashing up. And, uh, and I was doing, at the end of the 90s, I was reporting on Science for the Guardian quite a lot. How's he? Massive how's he. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, was asked if I wanted to go on a, a trip to the DuPont chemical manufacturing plants in uh, just outside new york and you're uh, like mm, free teflon cigarettes yes <laughs> please <laughs> so uh, obviously they were doing a pr push and trying to you know push how great they were and uh, so i got sort of shown around this plant in wilmington delaware flown out first class from you know from heathrow on ba loved it that's really good and uh, but also also <laughs> really bad I, I didn't tell rob or mark this in the interview I was like, oh, oh, oh. I, I wrote some yeah. puff pieces for these guys. <laughs> I actually wrote one piece in the end, and it, I only did it a year later when they got back in touch. And like, are you not going to do anything? We flew you out to New York, and then the science editor at the Guardian sort of said to me, you know, come on, I'm under pressure here. You know, give us something. What did you write? I wrote about uh, safe as houses. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, ironically, I wrote about their efforts to create bacteria that break down hazardous chemicals. Oh, yeah. And how are they getting on? Uh, not that well. Not, not great. With some of these chemicals, because they last forever. Holy crap, Rob! Oh, I thought someone was breaking in, for God's sakes! No, it's just, just me. Rob, you need to tell me what in the hell's going on. We're being poisoned. Rob. What? I'm t- I mean it. DuPont is knowingly poisoning us. You mean the farmer? His land. All of us. Please don't look at me like that. They're already poisoning the baby. They phased it out now, though. Yeah. What are they using instead? So what they're doing is they're using alternative chemicals, which are are very, very similar. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're slightly shorter carbon chains. So instead of eight, there might be six... Yeah. Um, uh, and they're sort of breaking them up with like little chemicals in between. So it's not a whole carbon chain. But the thing about that whole thing is like, you've got these new chemicals and they're saying, oh, these are safer or they won't last as long, but there's actually no proof. And, um, the problem with the whole chemical industry, or as far as regulation goes, is that you don't have to prove a chemical safe, but you can just sell it. And then it's basically on other people to say, oh, this isn't safe, this is causing X or this is causing Y. So, so the whole problem is that they can just put it out there, say, oh, we've solved that problem, we've got a different class of chemicals now, we're not using those bad ones, and, uh, and enjoy these. And actually, they might be just as bad. Is that just true in the States or is that true in the UK as well? It's kind of true everywhere, um, oh, although EU regulation is a bit stronger. Oh. Glad we're out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some fun. Um, so if DuPont had uh, been keeping all of this 
to themselves, so they knew how dangerous it was. How did Rob then manage to prove that it was causing people to get sick? Because presumably they weren't being very helpful. So they, yeah, so I mean, it's a really interesting part of the film. So they basically embark on this massive study where they say, you know, come forward, you know, people in the area, basically come forward, uh, we'll give you some money. Uh, and we just want to take a sample of your blood. And they ended up with 69,000 people being tested for these chemicals and then you know, cross-correlated with illnesses and things like that. Uh, the study took seven years. So Rob was like there waiting for the results for seven years before he could prove anything. Uh, but once, you know, once they actually, the scientists did the study, uh, it was basically, yes, there's a huge problem here. I guess I should start by apologising for taking, well... Seven years to call you. Who is this? Oh, yes, of course. It's Dr. Karen Frank from the science panel. Well, we had set this panel up as part of a settlement with DuPont where both sides agreed these were going to be completely independent scientists that weren't working for either side, hadn't worked for, for either side in the past. And what we wanted to make sure, too, was they could do their work without influence by either side. So we really tried to stay back from what they were doing. We wanted to let them do whatever they needed to do and to, to design whatever studies they needed. So when you, when you dump data from 69,000 people onto scientists who have been told, you have a blank check to design whatever studies you want that can confirm the health effects in a population and that kind of data, they designed some of the most comprehensive human health studies ever done on any chemical. And that took some time. And we needed to, to let them work independently. Um, and so it was frustrating because uh, the community wanted to know yeah. what's going on, what's taking so long. And as you see in the film, people were getting sick. People were dying during that period of time. So it was difficult to wait. But we needed to do it to make sure it was independent, unassailable science at the end. You gave us an unprecedented amount of data, the largest epidemiological study in human history. It's irrefutable. We have linked sustained exposure to C8 to six categories of serious illness. Is there need for more bite from the regulators? They, 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 don't, have the, they don't have the budgets to do the study that needs to be done. There's the idea of precautionary principle where you don't bring a, a, a chemical on the market until you've proved that that chemical is safe, okay? Yeah. We have the opposite now. The, it's incumbent upon us to prove that those chemicals are making us sick before they do anything. It, it's, it should be completely inversed. It should be the chemical can't come on the market, and it's, and it's the responsibility of the corporation to prove that that chemical is safe before it brings it on the market. That simple change would make all of us safer, it would protect companies from these kinds of mass class actions, and it would cause more innovation. It would make companies have to work harder to find the things that were safe. We're not producing chemicals for chemicals' sake. We're producing them for people's sake, to make folks' lives easier, happier, longer. Are we likely to discover that this whole situation is far broader and deeper than, than we were aware of? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the film focused on our discovery of one of these chemicals, PFOA, that was being used at that plant in West Virginia. Look how long it took us to uncover and reveal to the public what had been known for decades about this one chemical, PFOA. And now 
as we're starting to learn that PFOA is just one of hundreds, if not thousands, of these PFAS chemicals that have these same characteristics of being toxic, staying in our environment forever, building up in our bodies. We, we need to make sure that we take what we've already learned about PFOA and move now to set protective standards on these other chemicals. Because we can't take another 20 years for each of these chemicals to dig out what's known about them while people continue to be exposed, our environment continues to be contaminated. We have enough from what we know about PFOA to be acting now on all of these chemicals. The entire class of perfluoral and polyfluoral alkaloids. So this big study then, what type of illnesses did it did it show people were getting from PFOA? So um, what we've got is a probable link uh, between PFOA and uh, kidney cancer, testicular cancer, thyroid disease, high cholesterol, preeclampsia, ulcerative colitis. Since then, we've also had uh, links to pancreatic cancer and something I read yesterday, shrinkage of the penis. What, what were you Googling? <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> Why is my dick so small? <laughs> you doing a reverse image search. <laughs> well, this is what I'm working with. What's happening? <laughs> um, so His that's um, that's uh, that's horrendous. Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously these, these probable links—they're probable because it's so hard to draw conclusive. Oh links. yeah, because you can never say, "Oh, it's in, precisely in, in because of this chemical." Yeah, that, that was the thing that you know, held back as definitively saying that cigarettes were bad. Yeah, You're yeah. Like, well, yeah, it looks it looks pretty likely. Yeah. It can't be absolutely. Yeah. I um, mean, you, you, you make good statistical correlations, yeah. and that's what they did. And that's why it took them seven years to mm. do the study properly. Mm. And everything since has sort of suggested that that's exactly right. But, of course, you know, people get, you know, pancreatic cancer for other reasons as well. So, yeah. so you can't say that all pancreatic cancer is due to these chemicals. Yeah, so you just have to, to say that you know, if you're exposed to these chemicals, you have a much, much higher risk of developing it. But statistically, what you're trying to do is strip away those other factors, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is possible, but not easy. Yeah, and one of the problems is that, you know, we don't know the molecular mechanisms behind what PFOAs do to the body. So, you know, we know that it accumulates in the body because it doesn't uh, degrade, it doesn't break down. Uh, we know that it's sort of there in, in plasma proteins, it's, you know, in the kidneys and the liver in particular. Mm -hmm. But we don't really know what it actually does to cause these diseases. All we can say is, you know, there's definitely a kind of uh, sense that, that, you know, if you have a lot of it in your body, you are much, much more likely to, to get these things. And we think it's something to do, or might be something to do with immune suppression. So, so there's an amazing... It's weakening the immune system Yeah, somehow. so, so uh, something called B cells have been shown that in the presence of these chemicals, they just produce fewer antibodies. So, so we're in a position where, you know, they're, they're sort of basically suppressing the immune system and they weaken the response to vaccines. So there's two studies done. Well, yeah, because those are related, aren't they? Yeah, obviously. exactly. So vaccines sort of, you know, stimulate the immune system to yeah. produce antibodies. So there was a study um, done uh, on some African children that found their antibody response was much reduced when they were given a measles vaccine uh, by about a quarter uh, for those children who'd been exposed to sort of even low levels of PFOA and PFOS chemicals. So, uh, so, so is there then a, a safe level of exposure? If, if it's so widespread, presumably not everyone is getting sick from it. 
No, I mean, um, that's that's sort of the, you know, the problem that medicine has, isn't it? Medical science is that not everything reacts with everybody in exactly the same Mm -hmm. way. So um, the European Commission has proposed for 20 of these compounds, basically, it said in the drinking water, it should be, you know, less than 100 parts per trillion. uh, And they're sort of saying, you know, that's just the beginning of it. And then the in the US, the Environmental Protection Agency has said 70 parts per trillion. I think Denmark and Sweden have both said we're, we're going much lower than that. And there was a study came out fairly recently that showed that uh, it was 0.1 parts per trillion is enough to give rats pancreatic cancer or elevated risk of pancreatic cancer. 0.1 parts per trillion. We're talking about, you know, maybe having 100 parts per trillion as a legal limit. So, so clearly... Yeah, so we're talking about a thousand times yeah, lower than that. exactly. Yeah, your maths is as strong as ever. Thank you. Thank you very much. So um, so there's, it seems like you would say there's not really any safe level on this. The organisations like the EPA, mm. they wanted to introduce this package of measures that would establish all these regulations, compel cleanups, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and basically... This is in the States. In yeah. the States. Mm-hmm. And Trump's administration basically said they would... Oh, can, ve- I, can I guess? Yeah, they they said absolutely. Yeah, great, great idea. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yes. obviously. Clean water. Yes, but no. Ah. Uh, no, they, they said if that passes in the House, because I think it passed the Senate, but if it passes in the House as well, we will just veto the bill. Fantastic. I mean, that's democracy in action. And actually, they said it's got no chance of passing in the House because there's too many people who have, you know, jobs that they want to protect. So all these companies are saying, if you, you, know, if you bring in this legislation, we can't make as much money, so we will lay off all these people. And you'll be politically very unpopular. So you know this is mm. this is the power that they have. Mm-hmm. So America is a nightmare. Uh, what about over here? Well, I mean, there's a plan to sort of phase out PFASs by the EU. Uh, I don't know what the UK is going to do, uh, but you know we're, by, we're basically by, all by still when? exposed by by 2025, 2030. You know, the, yeah. it's hard to know what's actually going to happen, uh, and um, and we're all just exposed anyway. Um, so you can you can ban the import or the manufacture of these things, but actually they're already sort of in our environment, and as I keep saying, they're not going away. So so you know we're getting massive amounts of exposure. Whatever happens, so if if then regulation is just too difficult, or the bodies who are trying to push the regulation just are, are, are toothless, is it us then that needs to? make the change so if more people are aware of it and then people's behavior and, and consumption change so they're like well actually i'm not going to buy products from you know that have got teflon in or or, or you know uh manufactured by dupont then you see everything shift in the way that you want yeah hopefully and um, that's a question i put to uh to mark and ruffalo Rob. Mark no ruffalo. it's just mark to me so are you and ruffalo on first name terms are you just like, well he, uh, he calls me dr brooks and i call him m ruff mm. <laughs> This information coming out is actually helping people to understand this stuff is out there. Here's why it's a problem. Here's the things we need to do. You know, we've all been exposed. It's all been a huge human health experiment that we didn't even know we were in. And the companies are saying, well, let's sit back and just wait and see if you get cancer. And unless you do, and you can prove you do 20 or 30 years from now, we're going to keep putting this out on the market. And that that needs to stop. And the more information we can give to people about, here's where those chemicals are used. Here's the products that it's been used in. Here are the companies that are switching away. And hopefully encourage those companies and other companies to realize the market is actually demanding this now. People don't want this. They want to know 
How can they avoid it and, and give them a choice to do it? It is the first full day that Madison's fire department has responded with foam free of PFAS. Those are the chemicals that have contaminated wells, groundwater, and waterways here in the city. We're dealing with a national emergency here. This is not a small or emerging or ambiguous problem. It is a full-blown crisis that our government has already acknowledged. So our goal here today is to demand accountability for this crisis. We have children that drink the water here and... If someone had a moral compass 10, 15, 20 years ago and took a more proactive approach, maybe I wouldn't be sitting here today. Maybe my children wouldn't have high levels of pollutants in their body. People watch this movie, they throw their Teflon away, you know? And then they got to go and buy something new. And they want to know what doesn't have PFAS in it. And there's not one pan company in the world who's not watching this and saying, holy shit. <laughs> They're on to us. You know, yeah. a lot of these people didn't even know themselves. Yeah. The problem is, you know, when you monopolize something like this and you game the regulatory system, it doesn't allow for innovation. And now, now that this is happening, there's innovation happening all over the place to do this with a clean version of it. They can fight you all they want. It doesn't take away from what you've done. Of course it does. It's exactly what it does. The system is rigged. They want us to think it'll protect us, but that's a lie. We protect us. We do. Nobody else. Not the companies, not, not, the, not the scientists, not the government, us. The great crime here is we've been sold a kind of ease in our lives without giving the chance to decide if we wanted to poison our children or not by taking that ease. If we have a choice, would we decide to poison ourselves? And the answer is no. That information was obfuscated from us. We weren't given a choice. And all we're asking for is a choice. I was hoping this is going to be quite a fun episode. Oh, yeah. We're chatting to Mark Ruffalo. The Hulk. Um, but it's um, yeah, he's bloody angry. awful. He's angry. Yeah. <laughs> Rightly so. Um, can we can we clean it up? Is well, there any way of cleaning it up? It's really, really difficult. So, so as brilliant. I, <laughs> I said, the, I mean, you, you can sort of have a bit of filtration, but it's really hard to filter them out. You need really, really sort of high tech filters, and then you still got to put them somewhere. So yeah, yeah you, you know, even if you filter them out, you, you've got to be able to put them Some somewhere. Some kind of containment. Uh, mm. There's a, a group working with a plasma reactor where basically you have this incredible sort of many thousands of degrees burn on the chemical, which breaks some of the carbon fluorine bonds. Uh-huh. Uh, but again, that's you know ridiculously expensive and difficult to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you can just chuck it in an incinerator. There's like a, there's a program to say, oh, we'll use cavitation in water, so you create these ultrasound bubbles that then, so when they when they basically uh, pop, they they create such intense shock waves that they'll they'll break the bonds as well. But again, you know, it's not it's not really a a good solution. Um, you know, maybe that that you know there's bacteria that would break these things up, but. Ooh, not... Is there an article I could read about that? Anyway? <laughs> From 1999 in the Guardian. If you look it up on the website, um, uh, not there's no indication that we found any that metabolise uh, this class of chemicals. Uh, I mean, partly because they they wouldn't have existed naturally anyway. So, mm. uh, so it's going to be just unbelievably expensive and uh, pretty much impossible to do. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is all. This is just. This is just modern life, isn't it? Aren't we just being contaminated the whole time yeah. by the things we use 
and the 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 stuff that is involved in the manufacture of those things. Yeah, I mean, it, inside our bodies, there is a whole sort of cocktail of chemicals that are the result of modern technology. Uh, you know, post-war plastics, um, that kind of thing. So there was a, a journalist called uh, Emily Holden last year who did a. A sort of test on how many chemicals were in her body or what toxic chemicals. Uh, and she was analyzed for about 1500 chemicals and they found 36 sort of things like phthalates and flame retardants, which would have been PFOAs probably, uh, pesticides. And they just, you know, they just get into our systems. And so they're all just going to be increasing your risk factors of any number of disease. Yeah. Well, not all of them, but. Yeah, some they, of them they, at are. Least. they are. They're, they're bound to increase the risk factor. I mean, none of them are doing us any good as far as i'm aware but mm. we don't really have strong information on on anything but the you know the kind of problematic thing with worrying about it is that that's really bad for your health as well so so yeah. you know yeah. becoming obsessed by the fact that you know you, you're trying not to touch ingest or you know mm. come into any kind of contact with uh chemicals in the modern world the fact is you're living in the modern world you are going to ingest them you just have to come to come to terms with it and then try not to buy products that have got them in if you don't like them so let's do um a rundown of our question which i think is going to be fairly straightforward have you all been poisoned yes yes there's nothing we can do about it <laughs> i kind of want to go but it's okay because um, well i, I mean, think it is yeah, okay. hopefully this film will sort of increase yeah. awareness and we'll yeah, start to see these things really sort of just like frowned upon consumer awareness yeah that's the thing and that is what we are helping with that's yes, what we're all about here on science I mean, it, this is all, this is what we do Good, so yeah, we're, we're all poisoned. Um, and <laughs> good luck with it. <laughs> I hope you're all right. <laughs> Science-ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. It was produced by Eli Block. The executive producer was Harry Watson. Special thanks to Mark Ruffalo and Rob Billett. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at science underscore ish. We're out of time. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Thank great. Thank you. This is the kind of interview I want to do. <laughs> <laughs>